And so, church family, good to see you. Uh, would you pray with me? Let's ask God to bless the preaching of the word. Heavenly Father, I just pray that in these moments we could see you clearly. Because if we do, we will see that you are the greatest thing this world has to offer. And it will keep us from chasing after the lesser things. Thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness. Thank you for continuing to accomplish the purpose for which you send your word. Your word is the power. You are the power. We give you all the glory, all the praise in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. So today is Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, I don't know if you're planning on watching the game today, if you're for the Eagles or the Chiefs. But because it's Super Bowl Sunday, I wanted to set up a hypothetical situation. I want you to use your imagination. I want you to imagine that instead of Jalen Hurts for the Eagles, you are playing quarterback. More than that, I want you to imagine that somehow out of nowhere you're crazy good at football. And in this game that you play, you have three touchdown passes, you run one in, and because of your supreme goodness, the Eagles win the Super Bowl. After the game, you're holding the Lombardi Trophy, there's confetti in the air, and you are named Super Bowl MVP. Now, how do you feel? Is that a good moment? Pretty fulfilled? Yeah, that'd be a good moment, right? But another question, would this fulfillment satisfy you for a lifetime? Is this all that you'd need? And it kind of scratched the itch and then you'd be done. Well, we're going to take our cues from a guy who's been there before. Uh, Tom Brady, um, would you say he's the GOAT? I don't know. Seems like, uh, seems like it. Seven Super Bowl. Uh, he has five Super Bowl MVP trophies. And yet, the guy who has been there said this. He said, why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life. But I think, man, it's got to be more than this. Someone at the top, one of the greatest achievements who says, man, it didn't scratch the itch. Well, what about money? As we turn our attention towards money, I, I think of Jim Carrey. He recently made the news. Uh, Jim Carrey is selling his house. Uh, this is what it looks like for an estimated $30 million. And, and you might say, $30 million. Man, if I had $30 million, I, I'd be pretty well off. I'd be pretty set. I'd be pretty peaceful for all that I could buy with that. But Jim Carrey, he's known for saying this, I hope everybody could get rich and famous and will have everything they ever dreamed of so they will know that it's not the answer. Tom Brady and Jim Carrey, they expose two of the lies that our generation, our culture is running after, that if only I was accomplished, then I'd have peace. If only I had all the money, then I'd have peace. And yet what we've been finding in this series that I'm going to restate again and again and again is this idea that lasting peace, lasting peace, past a moment of fulfillment, past an idea of pleasure, past what money can buy, lasting peace, it's only possible through Jesus. You know, that's what we found in the story of the prodigal. And we're going to refer to that parable if you know it at all. See, the prodigal, uh, he thought that money was it. And so he asked his father, before the father died for his share of the inheritance. And basically he was saying to his father, I want your money, but not you. And that money was fuel for his quest. 
to find what would truly satisfy. And so he lived in wild living and all that that would entail. And at the end of it, when he was feeding pigs because the money ran dry and the good times faded, he was left not with peace, but with pain. I wonder how many, if you listen to this series, listen to God's voice in this, can escape the pain of disillusionment. When, when you've said, if only I had kids, if only I had money, if only I had accomplishment, and if I got to the end of that, then it'd scratch the ish, and then God would say to us, no, 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 that's not it. It won't do it. In fact, St. Augustine probably put it the best way. This is a quote that has stuck with me over the ages. St. Augustine said, you have made us for yourself. See, you didn't make us for money. You didn't make us for accomplishment. You didn't make us for our kids or for our spouses. You made us for you. We are the creation. You're the creator. And our hearts are restless until they can find rest in you. And that's why we're here. Because with Jesus, we have something that the world just doesn't offer. You can't buy it at Target. You can't invest in it in the stock market. It doesn't matter the accomplishment you have. You can't get what Jesus has. And Jesus shows up to you and he says these words. He says, peace is what I leave with you. And my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives because I have something so much better. And with this peace, your hearts won't be troubled and you won't be afraid. And that's the journey we've been on in these last three weeks. To understand that with God is peace over lies, peace for all things. Today our focus is on how peace is grounded in love. And, and maybe you know this with kids, that if kids know that they are loved, they're going to have a sense of strength, they're going to have a sense of purpose. If kids don't know that they're loved, watch out. The same is true in our own lives. When we know that we are loved, radically loved, unfailingly loved, there's a foundation, no matter what we go through. And that's what we're going to explore today. So today, uh, we're going to turn to our, our lessons at Psalm 73. You can uh, open your Bibles, you can follow along on the screen. What I want to do is kind of put the parable of the prodigal son over Psalm 73. Uh, there are many correlations, as I was studying this past week, of, of the prodigal son in Psalm 73. And you might know that in the prodigal, there's not just one son, there's two sons. There's the older son who is faithful to the father and stayed in the father's household. And when the prodigal came back, the older son was not so happy. In fact, the older son started wondering, what do I get for following you? If this son wasted all your money and now gets celebrated, what, what is mine uh, for, for my obedience? If you know the story, this is what the older son says. All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. You welcome that wicked son back. He's now reinstated. I've been faithful. I've been following. What's the point? If you ever didn't think the Bible is real, you should read the Bible. It's the story of real people really struggling and wrestling with God. And see, it's not just the older brother. That's what the psalmist named Asaph is writing about today. It sounds even strange to consider this in church. Asaph is asking the question, what point, what good is following God? What do I even get? 
especially when it seems that those who don't follow God are doing better. And he was in a dangerous place. And we're going to see what ultimately switched his mind frame on this. Um, But if you've ever asked that question, like, why did I come to church on Sunday? Why am I dragging the kids? Why am I volunteering? Why? Maybe this, too, will give you hope and perspective. So Psalm 73. Hey, can we do something that we sometimes do? Can we stand as we hear the word of God? Just in honor of his voice. Psalm 73 says, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And he goes on to say what the wicked seem to have, how their lives seem to be even better sometimes. And he said, Surely I in vain have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I've been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. And then I understood their final destiny. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was a senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet, I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Beautiful words. Before you sit down, can you say to someone next to you or out loud, Jesus is the truest treasure? Jesus is the truest treasure. And yes, that is kind of a tongue twister. Please sit down. Jesus, the truest treasure. Sally sold seashells by the seashore. Have you ever heard the phrase or believe that no good deed goes unpunished? No good deed goes unpunished. You ever been there? As you consider that, um, I want to bring up the example of a man named Richard Jewell. I don't know if you've heard this man's story. Let me explain it if you haven't. Uh, Richard Jewell was serving as a security guard during the 1996 Olympics in Atlanta. And while he was on security, he found three pipe bombs that were planted by Centennial Park. Now, if those bombs went off, you can imagine the terror and the fear and the chaos that would have been created. And because he found them, initially he was hailed as a hero. Until people turned on him. Instead of praising him for finding the pipe bombs, the media now said maybe he's suspect number one. And now his name was throughout the news, uh, every channel broadcasting, that maybe Richard Jewell had planted these bombs. Now, Richard Jewell died in early age, uh, some say because of diabetes and health circumstances, but you wonder how much that would have weighed on him. Thankfully, later on, he was exonerated as Eric Rudolph was found as the person who planted those bombs. But imagine that. Imagine finding the bombs, saving lives, and then being accused as the wrongdoer. No good deed goes unpunished. You know, it's great to follow Jesus Christ. It's a privilege and it's a blessing. But have you ever found in your life of service to the Lord, it feels that your good deeds got punished? Let me explain. Have you ever loved someone radically and you gave your heart, but the person you loved was careless with it and it seems that they stomped on it? 
Have you ever been generous to somebody and gave without asking, gave as much as you could, and it seems that they took advantage, maybe even stole from you? Have you ever forgiven someone because, you know, God says to forgive? So you did that hard work and you forgave them. And instead of them turning from their wicked actions, it enabled them to hurt you again. No good deed goes unpunished. This is where Asaph was at. Asaph was struggling. He's like, God, I've been faithful. God, I'm trying. I know I'm not perfect. But God, can I tell you how it feels? I'm just going to be honest, God. I think surely in vain I've kept my heart pure and I've washed my hands in innocence. For all day long, I've been afflicted. And every morning brings new punishments. God, the more I try to serve, the more it hurts. The more I try to do good, the more the cross that I bear. As considering all the goodness that was done over 14 years of ministry here. Do you know in 14 years we've had over a decade of soccer camps? decade of little ones running around. We canvassed around 7,000 homes when we first got started. 7,000 homes knock on the door. Hey, do you know about Amazing Love? Where once we have fall fests and trunk or treats, a couple helicopter drops. We're in the Chamber of Commerce and partnered with the Frankfurt Food Pantry. We've helped shelters downtown. Man, we've done a lot over 14 years. I did some work in reflection to estimate the hours that have gone in by staff and volunteers. Hundreds of thousands of hours have gone in for this ministry over 14 years. Hundreds of thousands of hours. And, and this might really strike you, almost $3 million to support a ministry here for 14 years. And the question is, is it worth it? As you're pausing, Paul, the apostle, also had this. Paul was looking at at his life of service. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord, if I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? Paul wonders, is, is this all in vain? Is this worth it? Do you know where it flips? Can we get past these low thoughts? Can we flip it? It flips when Paul talks about what he's talking about because this comes from 1 Corinthians 15. And some of you know 1 Corinthians 15 is the great resurrection chapter. And Paul might be advocating, yeah, if Christ hasn't raised, then I should be pitied more than all people. But guess what? Christ has been raised. In fact, he's risen indeed. In fact, there is eternity. And God has set eternity in the hearts of men. And there's something in you and there's something in me that knows that it is true. That everybody lives somewhere forever. And that's where it flipped for Asaph when he started thinking about what's coming next. Not just this life, this week. No, no, no. It flipped for Asaph when he said, when I tried to understand this, it troubled me deeply till, until I entered the sanctuary of God and then I understood their final destiny that the wicked, unfortunately, face judgment. And they're going to need a Savior. We, too, need a Savior. 
The same kind of statement happened in a book that I was reading. I was reading about church planting early on, and I remember coming to this striking uh, statement. Um, the striking statement was this. That the startling premise here seems to be that pastoral ministry simply is not worth it unless you factor in heaven. But that's a pretty big unless. And so what we know is our another takeaway. If you want peace for the journey of faith, you cannot escape the idea of heaven. If only in this life we have hope, we are to be pitied more than all people. But we have the next life. And so guess what that means? Well, it means pastoral ministry is worth it. If you want to be a pastor, speak to me. It's a good gig. It means the investment of this church in the community was worth it. And let me just share some things to the praise and because of the power of God. To the praise and because of the power of God, over 100 people have been baptized in this place. To the praise and by the power of God, we've had 175 adult confirmants who learned again of God and his love. To the praise and the power of God, we've had thousands of people who were able to tune in online who have been in this place to hear of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because we know, we know that if people accomplish great things and have all the money in the world and have great pleasure, but they don't find Jesus Christ, then they don't have an answer for death. Amen. Amen. And we have that answer. We have Christ who's not only crucified but risen again. And when you have him, you have answer over the greatest problem that everyone faces. We all face death and taxes. But Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. And you and I know that. And you and I know that eternity far outweighs these mere moments in fact, compared to the glories of eternity, God says, whatever you're going through right now, it's light and momentary. It's light, doesn't matter how heavy, and it's momentary. That's Jesus Christ. It's how great to know that it has been worth it. In fact, that's where Paul finally lands in the great resurrection chapter. As he concludes his thoughts, Paul said, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move. You always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know your labor in the Lord, it is not in vain. For however many times the devil has whispered in your ear, give up, don't do it, don't bring the kids, don't volunteer, don't give. Jesus Christ says, actually, there is nothing better that you could have done. In a world where many things are a waste of time, this is not. Because people need to know their Savior. So number one, why do our hearts flip over is it worth it? Because of eternity. Number two, let's talk about the goodness of God. So over the years, I've been able to talk about uh, God's love. And um, what is always closest to me, in my mind at least, is, is the, the love of a mother. And I don't know if there are any moms in the room today. Uh, you think of what a mom does. A mom will strap you on her shoulders, carry you through whatever you're going through. A, a mom, when a kid falls down, will be the first to give a hug and kiss the boo-boo and say it's going to be okay. Father's a little bit different, right? We're not like God's love because we just rub dirt on it and say, get up, go try again. But mother's love, like, they will be there to nurture and carry and hold. God's love is described this way in the words of the prophet Isaiah. Look at these beautiful words. I will extend peace to her like a river. And the wealth of nations like a flooding stream. You'll nurse and be carried on her arm and dandled on her knees. As a mother comforts her child, so I'll comfort you. And you'll be comforted over Jerusalem. 
We have a God who carries us. Isn't that awesome to know? It's awesome to know that when we hit rock bottom, if our lives are built on the rock, we will not fall. We will have strength. And one of the things we can praise our God for is the fact that he has sustaining love. Sustaining love. You you don't have to do it alone. You don't have to carry yourself. He can carry you, and he is enough. Another thing I love about God is what Asaph says. Asaph says, you guide me with your counsel. Now, if you were part of uh, growth groups this past week, uh, we were guided by counsels. They were talking about truths over lies. In fact, if you didn't hear this sermon, feel free to go online and catch up with us. We were talking about truths over lies. And we were set free by a lot of these truths. In fact, in our growth group, here are some of the truths that we talked about over the lies we believe. That I don't need to be in control because God is in control. That my value comes from God, not from people. And that God will take care of me. You think of how much these truths can set free a control freak or those who are trying to perform for their value or those who are wondering about, uh, will I have enough? In fact, it reminds me of the greatest gift you can be given. And that's an invitation to come to church or for parents to bring you up in the church. You know, that's a really great thing. You know why? Because whoever you invite and whoever you carry to this place, you're going to fill them with God's truth. And that's truth that will set them free. That's truth that will bring peace over lies. In fact, as I reflect on my life, one of the greatest blessings ever given me was Christian parents who at an early age dragged me to church, told me about Jesus. And over the years, I've had a lot of truth to land there over lies. And so another thing of peace is when we know that we have God's directing love a love that will continue to guide us when we're confused. But my favorite thought, and the reason for amazing love, as we talk about this, I need to bring up the height of earthly love. As you consider what the height of earthly love is, on Valentine's weekend, I'm going to bring up the love between a spouse. So so you think of marriage. When you choose to get married, you're saying about a person, you're enough that I'm going to try to stick in it through thick and thin, through everything. This is my person. This is my soulmate. This is the one I love overall. This, the height of earthly love. But let's just be honest with earthly love a little bit. And by the way, I love marriage, but let's just ask a few questions about marital love. Does your spouse ever say the wrong thing? Yeah, yeah, it happens, right? Some of you are like, man, if, if, if that dude, if that gal would bat 50%, I'd be good with that, right? <laughs> Does your spouse ever forget you or neglect you? Yeah, it's possible. We live in a world where it's easier to care about a career or the kids than to care about our own spouse and give them time and attention. Your spouse ever let you down? Ever not fulfill hopes and dreams? As Valentine's is coming up, it may be true that some spouses didn't even remember that Valentine's Day is coming and they haven't even planned on a card. So I don't mean to be derogatory about Christian marriage. I think it's a beautiful blessing. But can we be honest, even the height of love is filled with holes and imperfections. So why do I love God? 
When is God going to give you the wrong word? Is he even able to? God, by his holiness, is not able to get it wrong. He will always tell us what we need to hear. Is God going to forget about you and neglect you? When everyone else does, when they don't see what's going on or understand, God is watching over you. He's always with you. He is there for you, and he understands. Is God enough to build your hopes and dreams upon? You better believe it. He is immeasurably more God. The God who says, taste and see, the Lord is good. He is a good father who delights in giving his kids great things. And so do we find in our God. But the psalmist said that you have priceless, unfailing love and we take refuge in the shadow of your wings. What Asaph said, man, on earth there is nothing like your love. In heaven there is nothing I want besides you. And so what we know is that peace is found in God's unfailing love. You know, this is something that the father was trying to remind the older son about in the prodigal. So the older son said, you know, what's the point? Why am I following? I didn't even get a goat. Well, the father said something to that. The father said to the older son, don't you know, my son, you're always with me and everything I have is yours? Don't you know you live in the umbrella of my grace and my care? my watch and my protection, and everything I own, I'm going to give to you as an inheritance. And so for us today, for older brother moments where we've wondered, is it worth it? It's ours to repent of these thoughts. It's ours to see with clarity that serving God is worth it. And it's ours to remember his love. The greatest love ever on display is Romans 5, verse 8, where it says, While we were sinners, Christ died for us. God reminds us that when we had nothing to give, he gave everything. And I remind you, you don't just have forgiveness of sins. The Father shows up to you and says, Don't you know, I'm always with you, and everything I have is yours. Don't you remember, after 14 years of blood, sweat, and tears, after a lifetime of serving God, don't you know you have the full rights of sons and daughters? You have the peace of my protection and provision. And you have an inheritance that will never spoil or fade, kept for you in heaven. And so, dear friends, after hearing all of this, who would you rather be, the Super Bowl MVP or a child of God? May the Spirit give you such clarity. Amen. And the peace of God which transcends our understanding may it guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. At this time, we get to encourage one another with a confession of faith. Uh, today, we'll use the words of the Apostles' Creed. Feel free to join in. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven 
and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, just a few announcements now. Uh, probably the biggest announcements is please feel free to stick around. Uh, we will have brunch right after the service. Um, also, our teen overnight is coming up. And uh, just a, a quick note, if every, any of you like to give to over and atop efforts, uh, we could use some fund, uh, funds for this effort as well, our, our teen overnight camp. So uh, feel free to um, uh, consider that in your offerings as well. Um, with that, we turn our attention towards prayer. Uh, today we're going to pray for uh, Drew Wayman, whose father was called to heaven. And we're also going to praise God for all the blessings he's given our church over 14 years. Um, after this, we'll also join together in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that we have learned once again the power of the resurrection. We know that one of the greatest gifts we have is eternal life. Lord, with that truth, continue to comfort the Wayman family as the Father was called to heaven. Uh, be with them and sustain their hearts during this time of loss. Lord, we also thank you for all the people who have given themselves to support this ministry, that your love might be known in this community. God, we praise you for the people who were restored, renewed, or found your love like never before in this place. God, we praise you for the message we get to share, that mercy triumphs over judgment, that you love us with an unfailing love. Strengthen this church to be a bright beacon of your faithful love. Use us to extend your kingdom in this community and beyond so that when you return, we might celebrate with many the trophies of your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name and now join in the prayer you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.